We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw. We go tit for tat. We have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose and Runes podcast. This is episode 75 of the pod. It was a bye week, not an off week. Still plenty of football to get to. We're going to break down a little Bears-Dolphins, as well as hit some of the big national topics emerging over the past week. Matt Rooney, how the hell are you? You know, it was, it was a bye week for us as well. That's why we're here a little bit late. You know, we had our I'm mandatory time off. We had our mandatory time off. Exactly. Uh, we, want know, to get the legs, we want to get the legs back fresh. That was yeah, the key. we took that it. Was now we're key. back. So... Beautiful, there we go. beautiful thing. So uh, Matt's ready to uh, hit the ground running with his fresh legs, and uh, as am I. So let's uh, let's get right to it, Matt. We got Bears and Dolphins coming at us this Sunday, uh, looking like it could be another banner day for the defense with the way things are shaping up. Reports saying that uh, three of the five Dolphins starting offensive linemen could miss this one. So uh, not only do you have to game for Khalil Mack and, and company, but uh, you also got to Game forum on short rest and game forum with guys that might not have seen action yet this season. So yeah. uh, I think uh, I think this one could shape up for a nice Bears winner. Yeah, you know the, the Dolphins had that seventeen nothing lead against Cincy, who's I don't think they're as good as the Bears are, but they're having a pretty good season so far. And then Laramie Tunsil went out and entered the concussion protocol, and mm-hmm. kind of after that point it went all downhill from there. So now you got him out. Uh, Josh Sitton I think has been out since either the preseason or early in the season. He's out for the year on IR. Center Daniel Kilgore is out, so it, it could be a, a field day for the Bears, who are second in the NFL in sacks. They trail Pittsburgh by one, but they've played one less game, so that should tell you something that dang about TJ Watt. how much they're getting to the quarterback. Uh, and it's not only that, but I, I was, was working on some stuff at work this week, and the Dolphins' rushing attack has not been great at all. They're averaging just 96 yards on the ground, haven't mm-hmm. scored a touchdown on the ground this year, and the Bears, I think, are only allowing about 64 yards on the ground a game. So... I think that's going to be it's going to be a game on the ground because I think a the Bears rush defense is is going to have to show up and do what they've been doing all year. But with how good that Dolphins secondary is defensively, it's, I think they're either lead or second in the NFL in interceptions. This might have to be a Jordan Howard game or, or one that we're going to see yeah. him a lot more in the last than we did last time. I mean, it's it's going to be a, a week to week. I think game plans are going to change just justifying by who you play, and I don't think you're going to see them trying to air it out as much as they did against Tampa, whose secondary is not good uh I, I think they might flip the script a little bit here and, and try and uh, beat him down in between the tackles a little bit uh, i obviously want to see the bears come out of the bye week fresh but i also want to see a little bit more of that playbook uh implemented here coming mm-hmm. out of the break they've had some time to you know ruminate over the first four weeks good work put a, put a thank you put a new game plan together here for miami and uh and hopefully beyond and we've seen matt Nagy starting to dip into that playbook a little bit and i've liked what i've seen so uh, i'm gonna have my eyes on on matt Nagy just as much as the entire offense and obviously the defense who have who've been uh consistently effective throughout the season so uh want to see it uh want to see it clean from a coaching staff standpoint as well uh, always tough to travel uh to south beach for for some reason or another but you're catching this game early in the season where uh where there's not much not much heat I guess it's late enough in the season, excuse me, where there's not as much heat. Uh, I'm trying to find reasons why the Bears might not win yeah. this weekend. I also and, know there's some weather. I, mean, I believe the hurricane is on the other side of Florida, yes. more in the panhandle, but 
still could have some effects, still could, could bring some, I'm no meteorologist, but I still believe that means there could be some weather, some rain at least around mm -hmm. the area. So I'm not really sure what the forecast is calling for, but uh, weird things to seem like they can happen down in South Florida. So you're just trying to get out, get out of this one with a win. I don't really care if it's 15, 14, if it's 48, 10, just, just let's come out of this one, four and one heading into New England, feeling good about ourselves. A couple of weeks ago, said it four and one heading head into the New England week, and uh, it, it looks like it's out in front of us for the taking right now. But I'm not going to say I'm not going to say like no matter what you like, say they go out and win this week. I'm not going to say the Bears should or will beat New England, but it mm -hmm. looks like a more from what we've seen from New England so far this year. It looks like a game that's possible now and not so much impossible oh, as when we saw it being like i i i'm still not to get ahead it. of ourselves but it's going to be a fantastic football game yeah I, um, I don't think it's it's obnoxious to say that you know the bears could win that game i don't think they're going no, to i would pick all. new england but with, with how things have gone for both teams this year <laughs> with new england shaky offensive line with you know how the bears have gotten to the quarterback that's i mean that's not only how you beat every team in the nfl but that's really how you beat new england is when you can get to tom brady Mm -hmm. The Bears have shown better than anybody that they're capable of doing that. And again, not to look over this week, this is going to be a tough game. Miami's still a 3-1 football team, even though they have a, they've had a couple down weeks the last two weeks. But this next run of, you know, three, four games is absolutely huge, and they're all winnable for the Bears. Yeah, and I wouldn't get too, like we said, get too far ahead of ourselves here, but that New England matchup should be a great game. New England, again, trending in the right direction. I, I think it was a little bit of a choppy start. Uh, Bill Belichick figuring out who his pieces are and who who the dispensable pieces are still, and it looks like offensively, you know, that yes, line. He, he is got his boy Julian point. Edelman back too. Yes, that helps. Uh, in terms of his targets, uh, it all signs point to Josh Gordon being an effective part of that offensive line if he can stay of that offense <laughs> if he can stay in line. Be an interesting um, offensive line. Seriously, long, long, a lot of yeah, arms. Yeah, um, good separation. You, you get hands on. You can get some separation from that mm -hmm. D lineman. That's important. You get Edelman back into the fold, and then a dinged-up Gronk gets a little time to rest. Uh, I think he was limited last week, still made his presence felt a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I think that that was all. That was a lot of overreaction um, early on with, with the Patriots. So I think as we're gonna per get a really usual. Tough, yeah, I think we're going to get a really tough Patriots team in week six. But week five, as we're in week seven. Yeah, it's week six now. I don't remember. We're, it's two. No, yeah, we're three six. and one. Or no, we're, yeah, we're, we're three, three and one. one. Carry so the this four. is week five. Perfect. Yeah. Good math. Good Divided math. by two. Um, yeah. But but yeah, a big one coming with the Dolphins. It, it should be fun to watch. I'm looking at the line here. Uh, Bears currently three and a half point favorites in this one. So I've, I've been uh, listening take, to take obviously I, I want to whatever site you use, Joe, I think is giving you a half point or a half I'm point. A half literally point. just about everything. Because okay, we, so we've talked it about four? it, I have it at four. So just about everything we've talked about today, you've been a half whatever, half point, half win lower than me. So I need to we'll figure out. We'll come over to the dark using. side. I think you want I might. The half point? Yeah. Well, half point? No, I, I no can free put ads. a call in for you. No, no free ads, but we'll talk. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, uh, looking at the board here, we'll get to some locks of the week in just a bit. But uh, let's, uh, let's talk some other NFL football. Sure. I know it's Thursday. We're coming at them late with the pot a little bit this week, but what did you see last week that caught your eye? We're not going to do a full NFL whip around, but just some big takeaways. Uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes was impressive again, but he wasn't mm -hmm. the electric. I think Patrick Mahomes that we've seen, did, I don't, he didn't, he didn't throw for a touchdown, right? Uh, I, yeah, I believe he had I'm, one. This is great radio. I'm going to pull up that, that box score one. But, yeah, again, well, I, I was a little bit more impressed with the chiefs team as a whole. 
in that yeah. game. Whereas I think throughout the year, I'd been kind of more saying, you know, Patrick Mahomes is great. Uh, Tyreek Hill is great. That, that the offense is great, but I think they showed up. No touchdowns. This week. They beat, they, they beat a pretty good Jacksonville team, you know, 30 to 14, pretty handedly at home. But I think that did show that there are ways to at least slow them down a little bit. If you have a great defense, just Blake Bortles did his defense. Absolutely no favors at all whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we got bad Blake. Yeah. Um, and also Mason Crosby got the yips again. That, that was, was absolutely hysterical to watch. to watch. I absolutely love watching that. Every, it, it, it doesn't really happen all that often because he's actually a really good kicker and seems to make a lot of big-time kicks when he has to. But it mm-hmm. seems like once every you know year or so, or not years, every couple of years, he. I remember it was probably two or three years ago where he went, you know, the, the Packers were flirting with cutting him because he went through like three straight weeks where he just couldn't make a field goal. Um, but yeah, that, that game which for me was fantastically funny to watch it was a roller coaster week for for kickers around the league we had a lot of missed kicks and a lot of uh made big time kicks graham gano hit a 63 yarder to win the game take down the giants uh really deflate whatever wind was in those sails uh, and it wasn't much but uh my eyes again go to the top of the league as yours did but uh instead of the chiefs game uh, I had my eyes Rams Seahawks. Obviously, Seahawks, not the Seahawks of old, but anytime you're going to Seattle, it's going to be a tough environment to play in, especially if it's a one-score game in the fourth quarter. Uh, the Rams trailing coming into the fourth quarter, and uh, Jared Goff leading a couple of uh, game-winning drives there for a 33-31 win. Just some, just some cojones uh, on Sean McVay going for it on fourth down, uh, sub-50. Uh, but getting it done, that sort of belief in his team, I, I think, goes just as far as the win does. And uh, the Rams look to be a team rolling at 5-0. and Between the Rams and the Chiefs, uh, if I was to do a Joe Musso's NFL power rankings, I'm still mm-hmm. putting Rams at number one. They look like a more complete football team they, from an offensive and defensive Yeah, I was going to say they have more the on the Chiefs, defensive side of the yeah, ball. Yeah, the Chiefs still leaving a little something to be desired. I think that they're going to be in a couple, uh, a couple shootouts this season uh, that, that they'll probably – that likely come out on the right side of, but uh, the Rams are looking like the most complete team in the NFL right now from a run game, from a pass game, from a defensive standpoint, it's all there for the Rams. Now the, the rumor was the Rams were when Khalil Mack was available, the, the Rams were mm-hmm. one of the teams, you know, trying to go out and get him and essentially be willing to have him as a rental. They were going to try and resign yeah. at the end of the year. Once they come got, here for, could you imagine if they were able to pull off that deal, how good that team would be? Cause if you look at the Rams, that's the one thing they're missing. They, they obviously have Donald and Sue up the middle, but they don't have that edge rusher. That they don't really have rusher. anybody coming from the outside, bringing that presence. Can you imagine if they had the best one in the game? I think they might be able to be a 16 and 0 team. Honestly, if they had, you know, Khalil Mack doing what he's doing in a Rams uniform right now, I, I, I'm not sure there's a team that can beat him. Well, good thing we don't have to uh, deal with that situation, and good thing that Cleo Mack is a bear for the next five years. I've, I've multiple times, I've multiple times found myself like not sad, but like you know, just going about your day and nothing's too spectacular or stand out, and then I just have like this warmth wash over me where I realize that Cleo Mack is a bear for the next half decade. I, I had just, I had one of those moments is, the other day. It you know, really it's nice. just pure unadulterated unadulterated joy. Like yeah. it's, you just get. How do they give us this guy? Waves of ecstasy due to uh, due to Khalil Mack's just his presence, his, his presence alone. Uh, now I'm I'm scrolling through some box scores here. I see your Niners. Uh, they, they took it on the chin a little bit, twenty eight eighteen. But it looks like CJ yeah, yeah, yeah. Beathard had himself an, an okay game. 
34, 54, 350, two touchdowns. I never thought I'd Again, say you don't, the word yeah, CJ Beathard threw for 350 in the in an NFL game, but he well, did. You throw the ball 54 times, you better be close to that 350 mark. Fair I, enough. I, I can say wholeheartedly that the Niners do not want CJ Beathard throwing the ball 54 times, but they got in a position where he had, had to, to at a certain point. Um, they had their chances in that game. They actually had a two-point conversion look in the fourth quarter to tie it up uh, that went wayward. Uh, and then the Cardinals ended up scoring a defensive touchdown after that. So uh, Josh Rosen throws a long uh, touchdown pass in the first quarter, and that was really all we saw out of him. I think that a lot of work still needs to be done there, and I don't know if that's the right situation for him. I know the Cardinals are really reeling right now. He'd have been the perfect perfect situation for him if Bruce Arians was still the head coach. Yeah. Like when they first drafted him, I thought to myself, oh, that's a great fit. And then I was like, wait a minute. Bruce Arians isn't there anymore. This is weird. I'm uh, I'm excited to see how that pans out because I was I was I believe I came out and said that Josh Rosen would be the most successful. Of I've this also group. been from from day one since we started talking about kind of the big four quarterbacks from that class. Yeah. I, I've been on the the Josh Rosen I put, train. I put my stock in I the put road my eggs in that basket. Yeah, uh, but in terms of the Niners, Matt, they're currently ranked 32nd in the ESPN NFL Power Rankings, mm-hmm. and with good reason. I wouldn't put any stock in it in the long term, though. This no, is it's not, just they don't have their quarterback. This is not the 49ers roster that was intended to trot out on the field this year. You're down McKinnon. You're down Garoppolo. You're down Dante Pettis on the outside. Goodwin's been questioned every week. Matt Breida's out this week for all you fantasy oh, owners out there good. who got Breida in a late uh, a late steal uh, like myself. But uh, Breida's doubtful for this week, but uh, bad, bad ankle sprain. He's not going to go. Um, so there's your little inside there. So it's going to be a lot of Alfred Morris. Uh, they picked up a guy and I think Jeez. bumped someone up from the practice squad. So it's CJ Beathard, Alfred Morris, and on the outside, nobody. Uh, George Kittle's your biggest target. So uh, you can really put little to no stock into what the 49ers do this season. I think it's just a big year for Mike McGlinchey to grow up up front. And uh, it's just unfortunate because you got a guy like Joe Staley, who's a 13, 14 year veteran. who only got so many good years who, left on him. Dying to be on a winner and just a great guy for both the community and for his team. And he's been on a lot of bad football teams in, in those 14 seasons. So uh, I, I know they want to get Staley a winner sometime soon, but it's it's going to be a building process that takes just as long as Garoppolo's rehab. That, mm-hmm. That's what it's going to be out in San Francisco. And then in terms of Oakland, you got another dumpster fire with a team that that by all uh, by all purposes seems to be ready to move to Vegas. Um, they, there's they've now, been every especially since that Mac trade. I think the, the the players hadn't necessarily bought into it, but since they've shipped him out, you even saw the social media kind of not some outrage, yep. some just like you know come like Derek Carr was like apathy. You got to be kidding me, you know Bruce Irvin yeah. was. I think that whole team is just kind of this year. I think I think they lost the locker room. I'm not saying you can't get it back. You know, at some point, you know, next year or whatever, once you reset. But mm-hmm. I think trading Khalil Mack when they did. I mean, one thing if you trade him in training camp or kind of it was a know, message. He, it was a definite message. It was a clear message. Yeah. That this is not a this is not a team that that intends to contend for the next couple of years. And now there's there's a rift that goes well above the football field pay grade and it's with ownership general managers and john gruden and this um this approach that they're taking right now is uh is to move towards vegas and it's been made clear and now the city of oakland is very unhappy with that the oakland raiders are a tenant at the coliseum and they don't have a contract for next season at the coliseum we might see the oakland raiders playing at like 
Oakland Municipal. Like you might see them playing oh, at Oakland Community it. College next year because there's there's no contract and the city is completely disgusted with the way the Raiders have done things and they don't want them as a tenant. So unless something gets figured out there, it might be an early move to Vegas next season and they find somewhere to play while their stadium's being built or they're going to have to find somewhere in the Bay Area to play because it's not looking like they're going to come to terms with the city unless the right check is written. And, you know, that's always very possible when politics are a part of things. Jeez, leave it to the Raiders to, uh, to, to be the ones to screw up this move. But I guess, you know, before moving on from this week, I just looking throughout all the scores, kind of scrolling through up and down and through the divisions, this mm-hmm. is a lot more, this is the ultimate, like NFL is just absolutely unpredictable year. Yeah. I, I, there is so much. Like you think you have the Baltimore Ravens figured out. They go into Pittsburgh. They absolutely manhandle them on the road. Then next week they go lose twelve to nine in overtime to Cleveland. Following week, you Let's know Pittsburgh gets gets killed. They they go out and then or they get stomped on by Baltimore at home. Next week they come out and put forty one up on Atlanta. Yeah. They they only they hold him them to seventeen. There's just the Eagles. Who Let's knows what they are? The Vikings way, bounce back. I, it's just so unpredictable. We're going to do it this way. Let's. Look, I'm looking at the complete standings right now, the sure. NFL standings, not even conference, division, nothing. So complete standings, you got your teams at the top, your Chiefs, your Rams, your Bengals, and your Saints. Those are five and four win teams right there. You can say that, I'd say aside from the Bengals, you're looking at three of the four being playoff teams. I just don't trust the Bengals in the second half of the season. This strikes um, me as really, one of those Bengals really years where they get good team. and then lose in the first round because Marvin Lewis is good for those once every you know, but, two or so three years. There's your top tier. And then your middle tier, starting with the Bears at three and one, you have the Bears with three wins, Carolina, New England, Tennessee, Los Angeles, Baltimore, Miami, Jacksonville. Those are all three-win teams. Then you go to two-win teams who still have some life, Washington, Tampa Bay, Green Bay, Minnesota, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Seattle, Dallas, Detroit, Buffalo, Houston, Philadelphia, New York, Denver. Then we're looking at our one-win teams, which by all means have well, played themselves out of any. Yeah. The, the Atlanta Falcons, the Arizona Cardinals, the San Francisco 49ers, the Oakland Raiders, the Indianapolis Colts, Colts and the New York Giants. So that middle pack right now is what's making so much this, can happen. Yeah. This NFL season, pretty unpredictable. And I feel like within the next two weeks, we'll have a better idea and kind of the cream will rise to the top and the, and the, the fakes will fall backwards a little bit, but where we are right now, there are, 27, 28 teams in that middle pack that are all playing for not Sounds only like, yeah. not only playoffs, but um, division relevance. You know, because you could just as quickly fall to irrelevance like one of these one and four teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just been, it's, it's been, I think tonight's uh, the, the Thursday night matchup tonight. You got Philly at New York, and I know New York's mm-hmm. kind of been all up and down. They they almost beat Carolina, like we were talking about earlier, but they've kind of been the Eli and and his. Poor play. I'll, I'll, I'll be nice and call it just that. Has <laughs> kind of been the story, but they're still like they're a half game out in the division with how bad they've been. And like I know it's still early, but like this game could have a, a long way in saying whether or not the New York Giants actually still have a chance to go out and uh, you know contend in that division. I know they're one and four, but a win kind of gets them right back into a really bad division as well. The Eagles could be you know three and three, and that division to me is because we're going to see so many you know primetime national games for as mediocre as it is. Every team still kind of has a chance in there. Yep. Matt, let's, uh, before we jump off of NFL here, let's take a look at the schedule. What game are you most looking forward to this week? 
Um, well, I think the obvious answer for that is New England and Kansas City. Uh, but mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to take the easy way out because I think that one is the easy way out. I'm going to go with the I – th- I think the Rams at the Broncos intrigues me because, like, like you said, the Rams went into a tough environment while Jared Goff went down and, and you know, like you said, made some couple big drives. Rams pulled out the win. It wasn't all that convincing of a win. It was 33-31 against, you know, a, a not that great Seattle team in a, in a tough road environment. They're going into Denver, which is another tough road environment where Denver, you know, gave Kansas City all they could handle, where they've had some nice come-from-behind wins. So that one for me is one I'm keeping my eye out eye out on. Excuse me. And is also um, Steelers-Bengals. I mean, if that Pittsburgh wants a shot. Okay. You don't get to pick all of the games. They got you literally I just picked three two. games. I picked you two. picked two, and then you just said that the I said Patriots Chiefs, game I said was low-hanging fruit. So it, well, it you, you struck that one off the board. We're striking bears off the board because obviously there's intrigue there. I get to pick from three games. What, what do I want to – I'm really looking forward to Los Angeles-Cleveland because Cleveland's played a lot of close games I don't know. Baltimore-Tennessee, those, those are a couple yeah, of I don't want to Baltimore-Tennessee. No, Pittsburgh-Cincinnati was, was the one I had. Panthers-Redskins, uh, that's going to be a good Pitt, one. Pittsburgh's offense uh, looks to be back where it needs to be, but uh, in this matchup, you know, it always it's always an interesting game, and I think – we could learn a lot about Cincinnati, uh, just how real they Cincinnati are. Cincinnati gets Vontez Burfecht back this week as well, if I'm not mistaken. I think he, he served that four-game suspension. For, I think it was something he did in the preseason, whatever. But I, I believe he's back for them this week. So that should be a big kind of influx into that defense. It should be a fun watch, no doubt. Another one. college ranks here, Matt. Right before we hop in there, you're talking about okay. teams playing for relevance. Tampa, Atlanta. I mean, Winner of that game is kind of right back into that division race, at least a little bit, at least gives himself a chance. Loser, I think you can kind of go ahead and count out. I know Tampa would only be two and three, but I kind of think they'd be done if they lose that one. So that, that one's going to be, you know, playing for relevance, playing for any shot at the playoffs still just week six. Big stakes. Big stakes. Could go for a big stake. Yeah. T-bone. Had a little T-bone the other night. It was nice. Yeah. Um, Matt, let's jump to, as we said, college football, uh, give some locks of the week. Um, this has become a full fade Matt situation. Uh, Matt moved to one and five on the season. Uh, I am currently sitting at four and one. So Might be one two, and four. Excuse me. You're, uh, wait, you're one and five. You're one and five. five. I'm four and two. Okay, That's yeah. Okay, yeah. Good you're one and five. I'm four and two. So uh, come jump on the Muso train and get some free money. Uh, let's get some locks of the week, Matt. Whatever you're thinking, do something different. Uh, so I, I was, <laughs> I did have some ideas, and I, I've decided that you know my, my original theory has always been don't you know don't touch the Thursday night games in these because everything's so unpredictable. You don't know what's going to happen. I do like this. Number, so I'm though. going to flip the script on this. I'm going to go with the Thursday night game. I'm going to take the Eagles, the defending Super Bowl champions, minus two on the road at New York. They basically just have to win that game. Eli, I know the, the Giants locker room is in flux, and sometimes that leads to people kind of you know coming together having breakout performances. I just think Eli stinks. I think the Eagles have a good pass rush, good front seven, and they're going to force Eli to beat him, beat them. I don't think he can. Give me the Eagles. Give me the defending Super Bowl champs minus two on the road. Yeah, I was uh, I was looking at that one as well, and uh, I, again, my books got it at minus one, so it, I could again make a call for you if you needed me to. But uh, I'm looking at the numbers here, and uh, another one that kind of catches my eye, I, I think a lot can happen in that Patriots-Chiefs game. Uh, I think I'm going to stay away from that one. But I yeah, that, that like, one was weird. I don't, yeah. I don't want it. <laughs> I, uh, I do like L.A. on the road at Denver. Denver has shown the ability to 
trip up a little bit uh, at home. Another game that really catches my eye is Seattle covering two and a half against Oakland. Yeah, that's, uh, that is being oh, played at Wem- it's being played at Wembley Stadium. So who travels best is going to kind of be be the key there. But I am going to take the Seahawks covering two and a half. The Raiders just seem to be in shambles, and I don't know if there's any coming back from it. I like Seattle laying two and a half in jolly old London. I do like that. I like that pick as well. So, hey, we, we got some small spreads this week. Let's cover mm-hmm. them. Um, if you want to fade me, I really can't blame you, but let's get on that because the game's tonight. In my in, At least credit me. I, I think it was Chris Sims who tweeted, you know, screenshot shot his uh, you know, listening to our podcast, said get my picks of the week for Moose and Runes or something, tweeted it last week, and I immediately responded, if you want to win some money, fade me. And exactly. So, I was right. So now so we know. Technically – you could say that my record's actually back because I flipped. I kind of flipped my pick there. So ah, okay. Spin zone. Okay, so yeah, spin zone is that you're you're now pick, you're fading yourself. Yes. To for the for the betterment of the of, Moose and list. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. No, I can I can get on board with. That. I, am I like that. Totally not. I, my brain totally I've, isn't in a pretzel right now. I've also noticed <laughs> that you're going you're taking a little page out of my book you're you're getting away from college lines i think that you're you're having some difficulties betting college football right now and uh it's I think usually college, is, college can be a little bit more predictable this year it just been seems some huge kind of lines in college all over the place the huge line I, I try to stay away from the huge line unless it's a team that i think or know is really good like alabama or at least early on in the season mm-hmm. i think i went with penn state on one of them but like if the team isn't Alabama or Georgia, um, or sometimes to an extent Ohio State, there's really no point in touching that you know three touchdown yeah. line. I mean, I, do I think Notre Dame's going to win by 21 or more this week? Yes, but they're not that they're they're not that you know Alabama type team. So really, anything can happen to them this week. Would it shock me if it was a 15 point win, fourth whatever? No, not at all. So I don't think there's yeah. there's not much value in going after that massive number. Well, you, you just jumped into college football for us there. Uh, before we move on to some other topics, let's talk a little ND football and, and other top 25 matchups going on. The Irish, with all, it's in their, the ball's in their court now. You know, this, barring any sort of massive misstep, uh, it looks like a, a really good case for a college football playoff. Yeah, uh, Stanford not beating Utah, you know, does I think hurt them a little bit. But at the same time, mm-hmm. the fact that Michigan keeps winning and doing what they're doing um, is is huge. I think it's a big help, and it also helps that while you know Stanford not, might not be what they thought down the stretch here, it's not like they're playing awful teams. Uh, it's not like they're yeah. playing you know Louisiana Lafayette or whatever. They they are still playing for the most part Power Five teams, so I think that does help them. But I mean that that West Virginia, excuse me, Virginia Tech game for me. I, I know I texted you. I think it was around halftime, expressing my frustration just to, to uh-huh. keep it uh, clean, to keep it PG. Um, I, I got to give Brian C- Kelly a little bit of credit where it's due. Uh, I, I've never been the biggest fan of his his big game coaching, especially on the road, and as is okay average to not great of a job as he did play calling whatever in the first half. Uh, he, he did a great job getting back to the game plan, trusting Dexter Williams, trusting running the football instead of just trying to throw the ball deep every other play. Mm-hmm. And I think it showed when Notre Dame started to take over the game. Obviously, a 97-yard touchdown run helps, but they were able to bust that out because they tried to run the football, whereas the first half seemed like they abandoned that. Or That's kind of what Brian Kelly had gotten to in the past in big games when he got a little panicky. Credit to him, credit to that team for showing up in, in a very tough environment and, you know, 
things went wrong in the first half. Things went bad. They were still on top 17-16. And in that's the second what half, we talked just kind about. of blew the doors out off. That's what we talked about. Either it was during the game or the day after that. It felt it, like they were down did. 14 at half. Didn't, it didn't did, it? and it looked different the way that they came out. I think uh, in the past, these Notre Dame teams, these Brian Kelly teams have come out uh, a little shell-shocked in the locker room in the second half mm-hmm. when maybe they didn't have that 7-14, 21-point lead that they assumed they'd have at half, um, and they came out, and it was a strong second half by the Irish, and I think that you're seeing a pretty complete team. Now, is the case complete? I don't think so. No. I think that we need, uh, or Notre Dame needs Alabama to continue to dominate the SEC on the tail end of the schedule because any SEC confusion could bump out a, a you know, a undefeated Notre Dame team, which would be, uh, I think, I think tough a to do because of a, a twelve and Notre Dame do, team is is in. Yeah, I the, would the national the national brand of Notre Dame and the eyes that would that that would constitute and that that would garner and that would draw to college football and the playoff. I feel like that's a little bit undeniable to put in front of, uh, in front of the committee, but at the same time, crazy things have happened. Yeah. Uh, undefeated teams have been held out. Now we're talking about UCF, but, um, Notre Dame undefeated, I feel like it's a pretty undeniable, uh, undeniable. And I, I know the, the argument that, I mean, out there, there's the, the five unbeatens at the top left. And I think West Virginia, who, uh, I had actually, if you remember my preseason playoff, is five and zero. Oh. Uh, I don't think they're going to get there from what I've seen so far. The offense looks explosive, but they, they've kind of they have too much of an up and down wave. I think they're going to get got by you know they still got Texas, they still got Oklahoma left on that schedule, so a, a long way for them to go. And then if they make the Big Twelve championship, they'd have arguably one of those two teams again. Um, I mean, the argument people keep making is if everybody kind of runs the table, then you get Georgia and Alabama in you know, the SEC championship game, you know, what happens if it's a really close game and, you know, yeah. Georgia wins on a game-winning field goal or whatever, how do you leave Alabama out? I, I still think, like, you leave them out because that's seen as a de facto, you know, third, or I'm sorry, fourth playoff game. I, I don't, again, know how the committee thinks, but I, I don't think it would make sense to be like, oh, well, Alabama just lost, so let's have them play and, the same game over again and give them a redo. And if you don't, if you do give them that redo, it's just a glorified BCS. Don't give, yeah. don't even call it the college football playoff. And if that's what it is, fine. But I'd liken it to the NBA, uh, the NBA MVP race. Uh, you know, figure out your criteria. And when there's not this, when the, when there's not a defined criteria, as in the NBA and the MVP race, and people are voting for different reasons and different guys, and there's all this confusion, things like this can happen. You can vote the wrong guy in. You can give it to James Harden and then watch him miss a thousand jump shots over a seven-game series or at least the two last two games. I know this is a bit of a stretch here, but if you're picking up what I'm putting down, you have to establish criteria and stick to it. And if that criteria is big name, big storyline, doesn't matter the record, okay, but then you're a glorified BCS. This is not a playoff if you're keeping out a 12-0 and team in, in return for a 11 and one Alabama team who just fell in the sec championship. Yeah. And I'm again, I'm last year. I was all for Alabama getting into the playoff despite not making the sec championship game, but that's also mm-hmm. because it wasn't, it wouldn't have been, you know, a, basically a rematch with Georgia because whoever lost that game would, you know, be the four seed because they'd be the one team without. And this is of course, assuming Clemson, Ohio state, Alabama, Georgia, Notre Dame all run the table, which possibly can happen. But, Odds are someone along the way is going to get knocked off. 
yeah. Another issue for me is Clemson is probably going to run the table, but they're also going to do so without a win against a ranked opponent unless Texas A&M, you know, figures out their way into the top 25 throughout the year. Their schedule is terrible, and mm-hmm. it's it, not a lot of it's their fault because the ACC hasn't really, you know, lived up to it the last couple of years, and they scheduled A&M, you know, years ago back when they were all that good. But it's hard for me to reward a team, I and mean, people won't make the same argument with Notre Dame every single year. What do you Alabama mean, that Syracuse win isn't enough for you? Uh, not not quite. The, uh, the, <laughs> the come-from-behind win with a walk-on quarterback at home against Syracuse is not exactly what I'd call a landmark <laughs> victory. But, I mean, okay. if they run the table and, you know, say they beat a Miami or a Virginia Tech in a neutral site field in the ACC championship game at their 13-0, I mean, does that schedule still justify them, you know, the, the automatic bid if there's four other undefeateds? I mean, that's, mm-hmm. I guess, one thing that I have been thinking. I'm, I, I, is Clemson, I guess, on that Alabama level with the committee where they've kind of earned the benefit of the doubt no matter what? I don't think anybody should be on that level but Alabama, but I, I think that's another story we'll see. So I'm not sure Clemson's yeah. going to lose the rest of the way. It, uh, it could get hairy, as it usually does each year, and there's usually a team on the outside looking in that should be on the inside, but that's where an eight-team playoff, as we've suggested in the say, past. Uh, if that situation of, uh, does happen where, you know, say Georgia, everyone goes undefeated and Bama mm-hmm. loses or Georgia loses and still gets into the playoff, that's your argument. for that. That's when you'll see a six or eight team playoff happen. Yep, and because I think it's coming because I do it just means there, more money too much for, money into it to not more money for it, the big mouths. And uh, yeah, I think it's just a matter of getting uh, getting the facilities in place and uh, making sure that um, you know there there are other issues in terms of uh, how deep into the season do you go? These are quote unquote student athletes, um, overuse, overwork. I mean, yeah. you got. You got running backs at the next level holding out because, you know, I got enough money and I'm trying to extend my career. Um, so, you know, there, there are trickle downs to this, but from a purely collegiate standpoint, uh, that seems to be the solution to kind of fix all the problems here. But uh, in due time, uh, I believe I believe it'll it'll come to fruition. Still have a lot of football left to play before this is even a, an argument yes, or something we, we got to think about. Yes, we do. And there is basketball to be played this weekend, Matthew. Tip on Wednesday. Uh, obviously, an 82-game marathon. I'm, I'm just here for the storylines uh, until... Well, that's what anybody's here for because the yeah, NBA but, championship has been decided. Yeah, but I, I've enjoyed the playoffs in the past few years. I've enjoyed that tail end stretch to see who's tanking, who's not tanking. Almost that race at the bottom becomes just as... Uh, just as enthralling as the race at the top. Uh, it's going to be another fun season filled with uh, E-ready storylines, as you could call them. But uh, the, the big storyline this week was Sorry, got the, one Minnesota, the Minnesota Timberwolves and Jimmy Butler apparently showing up to practice and just ripping out the hearts of his teammates with the third stringers, screaming in his GM's face that you bleep and need me, you can't win without me, uh, going right at Carl Anthony Towns, going right at Andrew Wiggins. It seems like a super toxic situation over there. I don't think that was like Jimmy coming back to practice and he's part of the team again. This was Jimmy coming back to practice and just losing his mind and proving to everyone that he's the best player on the court. Do you think it was a coincidence and this all just happened to just occur on the day that Rachel Nichols was coming to do a sit-down with Jimmy Butler? 
Because that's um, I, what happened. Coincidence. I don't think yeah. it was a coincidence. I think this was all set up, staged, whatever in Jimmy's mind. He knew this was happening. He knew this was another way for him to either, you know, I don't know, force his hand, but get his name back in the news, force Minnesota's hand a little bit more. I, I think this was just all a way for Jimmy to to get Jimmy's name back in the news because Jimmy loves himself some Jimmy, um, and a way for him to keep pushing himself out of Minnesota to where he wants to go. And it's it's weird because as good of a player as he is, he's just, I don't think he's doing himself any favors as much as he might think he is by, by possibly forcing his GMs and here to move him. Why would you want to trade for this guy? Because as good as he is, he's not a number one on a championship team. He's yeah, probably but, a number two. But he's you, a missing piece. He's a missing piece. But Jimmy doesn't want to be a missing a, piece. Jimmy wants yeah, to be, but, Jimmy wants to be the guy. Jimmy doesn't want to be a missing piece. Okay, then go to Phoenix and be irrelevant. Like, if but, that's that, what you but do. see, that's the problem with Jimmy is because he's going to think. See, I think he sees himself as that alpha, which he is on Minnesota. I think he is. But then he gets to this team that isn't good enough. He gets frustrated that they're not good enough. He forces his way out. It's just it's never ending we're still cycle. Having the, we're going to have the same argument. Jimmy conversation. You, you know? can win with Jimmy as the, a two, is Jimmy but then a Jimmy one. gets mad yeah. if he's a two. It happened here with Derrick Rose for the year where that was kind of like who's you know whose team is it? Derrick or Jimmy's. And he wasn't really happy with that. He wasn't really happy. It, it's just his if ego what I'm is hearing, so incredibly inflated. If what I'm hearing, not only about his ego, but if what I'm hearing out of Minnesota is true, then there's no way that this works in Minnesota. Oh, no The shot. relationship between him and Carl Anthony is fractured and with good reason. Um, it's it's just not going to happen. So I think this was I think this was a final way of saying this is uh, this is not the place for me and. Um, he Good apparently luck. hadn't even Good been luck working out forty games without me. It, throughout the preseason, he hadn't been working out. He'd been working out playing basketball. I heard at like local health clubs and stuff like that mm-hmm. while the team was at home. And then when they'd be on the road, he'd go into the facility and work out. So he and yeah. then he just you know happens to show up to practice yesterday. So this is it's just another bizarre story for Jimmy. It's it's almost like you couldn't write a script like this with some of the tweets and stuff quotes you saw happening in practice yesterday. I just kind of want to see him traded so we can move on from this whole thing and you know see him Jimmy, go be really good on an average team in Miami. Jimmy and Le'Veon Bell are going to start a union. I think that's what's going to happen. Jimmy and D. Wade getting reunited in Miami. How about that? Because that worked really well here. And I think, you know, Jimmy Jimmy is a personality. I think Miami's a good place for him. That's a bad basketball team in Miami this year. But like we said, that's where he's going to land if he wants to be an alpha is on a yeah. bad basketball team. Um. Well, Matt, let's, again, go a little Chicago-centric here with the NBA talk. Uh, not much to talk about in, in the land of the Bulls over no. at the Advocare Health Center. No. But uh, the Bulls currently forecasted at 30 wins. Uh, Over-under is 30 for the Bulls. And I know we talked a little bit before the pod, but uh, just give your people give the people your thoughts on, on that 30 number. I don't know, man. Before the season, when it first came out, and it was 27 and a half, the I whole city, including myself, I was all in on like, oh, that's so low. The East is terrible. Let's go over. I've seen them play in the preseason for a little while. Markkinen's out for, you know, still probably the first six weeks of the season. It, it should be because there's mm-hmm. no point in rushing him back. I believe he has a, with something with it. Hurt his elbow. I don't know the exact injury, but he's, he's got a banged up elbow. There's no point in rushing him back when you're not going to be that good this year. Zach Levine's looked better um, so far. Bobby Portis has looked better. Uh, this year, this preseason, but Jabari Parker looks kind of overweight and not 
caring all that much about. I mean, I, I'm going to be Are honest you with body you. Body shaming Jabari Parker right you now. You know what? For an athlete who's making twenty million dollars this year, yes, a little bit. He's always looked soft to me, and he's, not like he, not he, mentality wise, but just his general little, build. It looks honestly, he looks a little bit more doughy this year than I've seen him in the past, and yeah. that's that's not good. When you, when if you're making twenty million dollars to be a professional athlete. Then yes, you you can be body shamed for looking a little bit doughy. I'm sorry, um, Chris Dunn oh, is. I, we still don't know really having it. The Bulls really haven't done much to be different from last year outside of give twenty million dollars to Jabari Parker and draft Wendell Carter Jr., who I think looks fine and is going to be a, a pretty solid player. But again, he's he's a rookie. I don't think you're going to rely on him to do a ton right away. So I, I think this is going to be under the, the book. The win total I've seen now is thirty. I would like the under on that, and I kind of hope it's the under so they can get themselves back into a decent lottery spot because I still think they need another big-time name to get themselves you know, closer to where they want to be, and you're not going to get that at you know, number 10 picking in the draft. So I think it's going to be another down year for them. I hope it's another down year for them because that can, I think, just expedite the rebuild a little bit. Yeah, and in expediting the rebuild, we've talked about all these different formulas in rebuilding basketball teams and the the most successful formula is free agency and this coming off season is going to be one of the most fruitful free agency i don't know how much movement we'll see from guys leaving teams but there are so many guys up on contracts that if you want to make a splash which i don't feel the bulls are ready to to at least have a competitive team with a semblance of a plan is enticing for a free agent. But mm-hmm. if you don't have any of that, if you're the Sacramento Kings and you got all this young talent and you got more cap space where you could give out two supermaxes this offseason, you're still not going to be able to sign two supermax contracts. Mm-hmm. There's just not the allure. There's not the draw. And the Bulls are teetering on that sort of lack of allure, that, that sort of same situation. And I understand, oh, it's a beautiful city. It's a big city. Don't sell me that. Guys Guys have houses in cities all yeah, across they, the country. They don't really the care they're where they're living in the LeBron James just lived in Cleveland for 10 of the last 15 years, okay? Like, this is not the conversation. Obviously, yes, Ohio, he, went, he went to Miami and did the whole cool city thing. But uh, L.A. is just – L.A. just came out of a six, seven-year – uh, eh, that might be a little long. Three to five year window where they were not a destination. New York is no longer a destination. Chicago's teetering on irrelevance when it comes to a destination. These big cities aren't necessarily the places where guys want to go and spend their time and be scrutinized. It's where they want to spend their time. It's not where they, they want to They just want to win. They to don't care where they're yeah. playing as long as they have a chance to win an NBA title, to win a conference, whatever. You know, that, Houston, that's all that matters. Houston's a major market. Oakland, not so much. The best team in the world right now resides in a town where um, it's you know it's a good sports market, but it doesn't it's make Oakland. it tick it's not a, like it's the not way a major, Chicago does. City, yeah. Like it's not no. There's other things going on. It's West Coast based. Uh, half the people in the city aren't even intrigued by it. It's um you know it's it's no longer the old formula of hey come to us because we're here. It's you got to really have a sales pitch for these guys, and I don't know if if the Bulls are ready to. Well, even put forth a sales pitch next season. And even if they are, I, I'm not sure we have the guys in place to make that sales pitch because there have been years in the past where they have been a team where, you know, you could see like the, what was it, 2010 year where LeBron, D-Wade, all them were free agents. They had a team that if you added one of those guys to the team, 
they'd have been an NBA favorite, NBA title contender, and they could not make the sale. They could not make the pitch. Obviously, everyone ended up going down to my. But th- this has been a, a team, an organization, a management group in the past that's still largely the same that hasn't been able to land that big free agent. And if, if they're going be- to do it, if they're going to have any chance, they need an absolute breakout year from Laurie Markkinen. And they mm-hmm. need Zach Levine to be fully recovered from that ACL. And not like, not and just fully a, recovered. They need have Zach a huge Levine breakout to, year. Like, yes, they need him to, to play at a level beyond what he's yeah. ever played. I mean, that's, don't get me wrong. There, there were times last year where you could see what they saw in Zach Levine. The one that sticks out to me was the uh, the game against Minnesota, where him and Jimmy went back and forth, and that that yeah. was a game where you saw flashes of what they saw in Zach Levine, but we need to see that a whole lot more this year and a whole lot yeah, less of the Zach Levine. Explosive guard 16. play, explosive guard plays flashy and it's fun to watch, but it doesn't always equal wins. So mm-hmm. it's gotta be a, a complete effort there. So yeah. we'll, we'll, uh, we'll see. I mean, we just get to watch James Harden run ISO for 82 games. So what, what's there not to look forward to in the NBA season, uh, Matt? Uh, <laughs> <a lot. laughs> uh, well, just to kind of wash our mouths of, of the NBA. Why don't you, yeah. Why don't you get a minute? Hit the music and can uh, I get, can I get a no. hockey minute? Oh yeah. You want a minute? I want before a, we go a minute. Even. I yeah, want to talk right, a little let, bit. Let, let me cue up the clock. Yeah. Uh, we are we are coming at you with Max Hockey <coughs> Minute me. in five. It's four, clearing my throat there. Three, two, one, Matt's Hockey Minute. Yeah, Joe, it's, it's been a nicer start from the Blackhawks than, than I expected. I was as down on them, I think, uh, going into this year as, as anybody. But it, it's been nice to see Jonathan Taves look like the old Jonathan Taves again. I believe it's uh, five goals through the first three games, which is obviously not a pace he's going to keep up. But it seems like the old Jonathan Taves, he looks faster again. He looks uh, more offensively um, aggressive again. He, he's actually shooting the puck a lot more than he used to. Um, he, he's got some speedy wingers playing with him, which I think has actually helped rejuvenate him a little bit. Uh, the Corey Crawford thing is still uh, still an issue. Cam Ward hasn't been what we'd hoped so far out of a backup, though he hasn't gotten much help from uh, on, excuse me on the blue line. Um, you still need to get Corey Crawford back, and you still need to add probably a defenseman or two at the trade deadline if you want this to be a playoff-type team. But but the offense has shown some scoring punch, and, and with the right additions, if they can make them, if they're available, if they're out there at the trade deadline, if they're out there in the next you know couple months even, if, if you think you have the pieces, you have the team, it's not as bad of a team that I thought they might be, and that's strictly because Jonathan Taves looks like Jonathan Taves again. That's Matt's Hockey Minute with a bonus 14 seconds for you there, Hockey fans. Well, you know, in fairness, I, I last time I did a Hockey Minute, I was a little bit short. You were so under, I, so yeah, you had some, so I had yeah, to, you were positive I had some, in the bank. Yeah, I had some wiggle room. Yeah. Uh, Matt, I did have the thought earlier this week, and sure. I, I've been watching the highlights. I have not caught any full games from, from the Hawks yet, but at what point do you and how do you move on from Corey Crawford? Well, I, I don't think you do yet. I, I think they are still... Uh, the rumor here, the, the word Coach Quenville has been saying has been October 18th is the target date for me back, which is a little bit sooner than I thought. Um, I'm not sure you're going to get you know the elite Corey Crawford, the top three NHL goaltender right away, but if they think he's ready to play and ready to go there, that's I mean, I mean that's how you, I guess you don't really move on from him. You hope he's back and ready to be himself, but if he's not ready to be back and be himself, I'm not sure you can hit your wagons to Cam Ward for the whole season if you think he's going to be that guy. I know they committed $3 million to him, but if there's a way to, to figure out another goaltender, another goaltender on an expiring contract you like, and Corey's just not himself, um, you can 
put him on long-term injury reserve and shut him down again basically just for the year and use that cap space. I'm not really sure how uh, what that plan is, how they go about it. But if Corey's not himself, Corey gets you know banged up again, concussion symptoms flare up, that's how you do it. You, you put him on you know long-term injury and you, you try to find somebody either a short-term or if they see a long-term answer out there, going out and getting them. Follow-up question. Sure. Am I still supposed to believe that this is a concussion? Um, so, ten month, ten months worth of concussion symptoms, and I don't want to be yeah, a conspiracy gonna, theorist uh, or drag our the best goalie we've had in a very long time through the mud. But at the same time, transparency is important. Um, I, I I don't I don't believe I, I don't that either. This is strictly a concussion. I do think he did have a concussion. I I, I, I mm-hmm. definitely think that is part of it. Um, it's hard for me to believe. Uh, I I have no way of knowing for sure. Um, I know as much as you do. Um, I, it's hard for me to believe that a concussion has lasted, you know, 10 months. I've never really had a, a concussion, a serious concussion, what have you. There have been instances where people have got concussions and never really been the same. The thing that always stuck out to me, though, and I'm not sure if it was him misspo- misspeaking, using the wrong word, but the Blackhawks convention, when they said something, they, they were asking about the, you know, concussion. When did it happen? What is it? He said it was concussion. He said he suffered a concussion before his last start, December 23rd. And the last game he played was against the Devils on December 23rd. So I don't know if that's, that means to say he suffered it in a game before, if something happened in between those games. I know he got uh, he nicked up in that Devils game, was pulled after three goals. I don't know what happened, but that's something that always stuck out to me. I'm not sure if there was an incident that maybe led to, I, I know he's, you know, had that, he broke his foot falling at a concert, you know, a couple weeks ago, a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's going on with Corey Crawford. I don't want to speculate with it because nobody knows but him and that organization. But yeah, if you want to say you have a tough time believing 10 months for a concussion and this, the way it's been handled, the way it's been secretively kind of done and, and nobody really knows and these setbacks and all that stuff, I can't blame you. There's a lot of mystery surrounding it. Yeah. It, uh, it just doesn't doesn't all add up to me. I hope that when he does get back from whatever he's getting back from, that it is somewhat similar to the uh, the Stanley Cup champion. I hope uh, he's ready to go because yeah, he's a great goaltender and he, he seems like a great teammate as well off the ice. So personally and professionally, statistically, not only one of the great great goaltenders in the league, but one of the greatest postseason goaltenders that the game's ever seen. He um, is at, at least in the tail end of his career. If it wasn't for for a super like superhuman effort in 2015. Uh, by Duncan yeah, Keith in the playoffs, he have won the Conn Smythe. And in 2013, yeah. I know he had his ups and downs, but he absolutely could have been a Conn Smythe winner there too if it didn't go to Patrick Kane. So he's he is the reason. That, I mean, in that Tampa series after they went down two to one, I believe Tampa scored two goals in the last three games. I mean, he just he was yeah. superhuman. He played when he was at his best. There's not a better goal in the NHL, and I would argue that with anybody. Well, but. speaking of arguing, uh, Matt, you got a little you got a little grievance for us, and it's in the I, hockey vein. So do. why don't you uh, why don't you hit the music? The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now you're going to hear about it. you can't handle the truth. Boy, have you lost your mind? Because I'll help you find it. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Joe, it's almost not even a grievance as much as it is like, oh, it's funny uh, to me that the, the it went viral the other night. Uh, the, the Nashville Predators at their home opener 
Uh, I, I know they've been more successful than we have the last couple of years. They swept us in the playoffs, but they, they, they were hanging some banners and they won the president's trophy last year. Okay. That's cool. That, that's worth a banner. I will say when the Hawks did that, they didn't hang a banner for it. They didn't have a ceremony for it. They just kind of put it up in the rafters and it was there. If they won the division. Okay. You can have a banner for that, but same deal. We didn't, you know, have a ceremony where everybody stares at the banner going up. They hung a banner that said regular season, Western conference champions. Uh, Can you imagine being like being? I know, like you're a small market. You need to have these. If I was a fan, I'd be like. If I was on the team, I'd like. Who who is making these decisions? Is it ownership? Is it uh, David Poyle, the general manager? Like, who is deciding we need to hang a regular season? That can you imagine if the Blackhawks, after they got swept by Nashville uh, two years ago, when they they were the one seed in the Western Conference? Showed up to the United Center the next year with a regular season Western Conference champions banner. Yeah, I can't imagine that too many people were on board with that. That was have like some pride. Look. I know yeah. you haven't won anything, but that's the point. That's what makes the, the Stanley Cup banner so special. That ceremony so special is because you haven't seen them. Because that's the ultimate prize. Joe, are you like peeling now, an apple or something over there? No, I'm I'm lint rolling my sweatshirt. I apologize. Yeah, um, it sounds like you're peeling an apple. Can no, can you I was ripping off? Can you, lint, off a new, can you lint roll after the podcast? You know how much lint bothers me, man. I do, um, but you know, it's it's not it's not a buy life or sell, death situation. Buy or sell minutes. lint. Buy or sell lint. All right, Matt. It, I think it, it everybody sells know. lint. This is this is my allergy season, so I have to be diligent. Actually, you know who's but, who's not selling lint? Who? Lint the people who make those lint rollers. They love lint. True. They actually love, li- uh, lint gives them a living. Evercare is the uh, is the lint roller that I'm using. Good stuff. Very ergonomic. Fits in your hand well. Uh, no free ads, but Evercare lint rollers. Jump on it right now, right now. Promo code Boots uh, and Runes, and sure. that'll get you zero. That'll get you zero percent off. Yeah, but uh, definitely Great plug deal. that in. Plug that in. But what were we talking about, Matt? We were talking about uh, the National the Predators, Predators being a sad yeah, The Predators uh, pseudo banner and just yeah, just not a good look, and that sets a it sets a losing precedent. Like it, it, it lets it's it's sending a message to everyone that the uh, that you've reached a goal that maybe you know it, it's worthless. You've you've set a bar where celebration is in order for uh, a rather mundane achievement. Yeah, like it's I don't. It's just ridiculously. What do you do if you win the Stanley Cup now? It, yeah, you have the same. Very, you have the is same it the band. same ceremony? I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, I don't know. I'm selling on it. I know it wasn't just, a buyer sell. Yeah, but selling I, on I don't it. know anybody. I, I can't imagine Predators fans even. I, I'd have liked to hear like the crowd when that thing went up. It's like, oh, this is this is cool. Like, is this? I just imagine cool? everyone going, aw. Yeah, like, like that's, that's so like, cute. The, the, the sad aw. As yeah. a player, like if uh, I'm the captain of that team, I'm saying no. Like no. Yeah. But I, I doubt it was. Uh, I bet you a lot of guys skated on the on the ice, or they were told in the locker room that this would be happening. As, as, as you're in, as you're choices. in the tunnel heading out onto the ice, yeah. to take you. Hey, oh, by the way, we have some banner raising ceremonies. <laughs> you guys got to carry this out there. Yeah, uh, Matt, why don't we jump into some segments here? Let's do some buy or sell. Let's do it. All right, uh, we obviously saw a spectacle of a fight between Conor McGregor and Khabib Nurmagomedov last weekend. 
uh, it was a good fight, not a great fight. Wish it would have lasted a little longer. It looked like Connor was making a little pushback, but then got dominated again in that fourth round. But the story obviously prevailed. Uh, the story that took over the headlines was what happened in the moments following. Khabib jumping into the stands, uh, attacking uh, or attempting to attack a member of Connor's team who was apparently being disrespectful. Connor then. Uh, getting uh, cold cocked, kind of uh, cheap shotted in the in in the, the octagon following something. that. Yeah. But if yeah, but if you look at the video, Connor kind of went at it. Someone on his team too, a coach. So a lot to unpack here. But uh, Matt, just to get into it, buy or sell the UFC should withhold or remove uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov's uh, UFC. I believe it was lightweight title. I think it was the lightweight title. title. I wouldn't remove the belt. Um, I just think there needs to be some form of suspension fine placed on. I mean, with what went on after the fight, which is awful. Hor- you, you never go into the stand. I don't care who it is in the stands. If it's a fighter, it's whatever. They're bystanders. They're not people prepared, ready to fight, whatever. And you know, by yeah. going into it and attacking another fighter, you could hurt an innocent bystander, another fan who might just be sitting near. You know, Rory whatever. McElroy was sitting ringside. What if Rory got hurt? Well, I, you know. That's my point, okay? I, we know I how you feel immediately about Immediately, as, as it was happening, I said, get Rory out of there. Someone get Rory out of there. We'll oh. worry about Denzel Washington later. He, he's man on fire. He can handle himself, but get Rory out of there. Well, I certainly hope they did. It doesn't seem like Rory got hurt, but at the same time... <laughs> we, like, haven't, we haven't heard anything, yeah. As, as awful as what he did outside of the ring was, he still earned the title inside of it, and uh, what yeah. he did isn't sending him to, to prison or anything like that. So no, the, the the belt I don't think should be stripped. But if they want to find him, I don't know if they can legally dock you know from the purse that he won, whatever. Um, if not, I'm sure you can just find whatever you want to take out. But I think there should be some heavy financial um, penalty. Yeah, I agree with you. I think I think that that exact point. You know, you can't you can't put your paying customers in danger and not have some sort of repercussion for it. Um, I think this simultaneously plays right into the UFC's hand. They've gotten more and more WWE, WWF. They really have. In the past years uh, in setting up fights. And this just sets up perfectly for a rematch down the road. They're talking about Conor getting uh, the Nate Diaz fight next. Um, can be possibly Sounds like they'll each have fight. another fight in between yeah. the rematch. But that that's what leads me to believe that you can't slap Khabib with a six to... 12 month suspension because then you're pushing off his next fight an extra year which pushes off the fight with Connor an extra 18 months and then you're looking at a Pacquiao McGregor or Pacquiao Mayweather type yeah. this fight happened three years too late type fight um, which is why which, I think you'll Pacquiao see the Mayweather fight. 2 probably something Pacquiao Mayweather 2 might happen which Unless it's the complete antithesis of the first fight, I have no interest in. I'll still probably watch it because it's those two, but yeah, it's not going to be great. But that's why I think you throw a heavy fine down, and I'm not sure if you saw uh, Khabib's dad's quote after, who's his you know, Yes, the distinctions distinctions brought down by me will be much worse than UFC. (laughs) Which, you know what? I don't doubt. I really don't doubt. But to somewhat, not that we're fight specialists by any means, to break down what Khabib did in the octagon... It was, I don't want to call it complete dominance because Connor had his moments in there, but when he was, when they were on the ground, it was boa constrictor like dominance, the way he kept Connor where he needed him. And then that right he landed was huge. Connor's never been tagged like that. 
all respect in the world to Connor for not falling asleep on the mat after eating that right. But uh, it was it was Khabib's fight the whole way. Yeah, you know, I, I like I said, I didn't get to see it. I was uh, I was on the road at the time. Uh, but that's kind of what it sounded like. From what a lot of people said, it was you know an interesting fight, but got a little bit boring at times the way Khabib kind of fought it. And I yeah. think that's kind of like if you look at a lot of the great fighters, like that's kind of what they do. They play great defense and strike when they can, and they they get really good at one yeah. or two things, and they own you there. And that's what Khabib did, and you know, he, he you won know, the, the fight the because casual. The casual UFC fan like you and I knows Conor McGregor's game and they watch Conor McGregor because he's the most nuanced striker in the game. And that's what people want to see is uh, crazy lefts coming over the top, awesome combinations, put them to sleep knockouts. Mm -hmm. That's not always the winning formula. And for most guys, it's not um, in mixed martial arts because it's mixed. You have to have all of these other skills. And Conor always lack in the cardio range. And, and once it goes to the ground, excuse me. Okay, Joe, ALCS, NLCS, both set now after uh, some, some interesting series. Not a ton of drama, I think, in the, the, the DS rounds, uh, with the exception of maybe the, the last inning of that Red Sox-Yankee yeah, series. Finally. But uh, I'm going to give you another chance to hop on board with my preseason prediction, Joe. Buy or sell an Astros-Dodgers World Series? Uh, it's looking more and more realistic, but I'm going to sell it. Boston is a complete... Aside from a closer, a complete baseball team right now. Uh, to to maybe see Chris Sale in a cro- closing role would be interesting in this round. I don't know if they'd go that direction. But uh, I still am going to ride the Bo Sox here coming out of the AL. I do think it's the Dodgers coming out pretty pretty clean uh, against the Brewers. But uh, I, can't, I can't jump on board right now. So I'm going to sell it as I've sold it multiple times in the past. Uh, the the Boston Red Sox keeping hope alive that I don't have to tell you that you were right. See, I'm actually, if I was more worried about a uh, series, I would say I'm a little Milwaukee? bit worried about Milwaukee. A, because I think they have the best player in the world right now in Christian Yelich. Um, I think he's playing better baseball. He's been on a better role than anybody uh, throughout the majors. And they just kind of have that team of destiny type feel to them. I know their pitching isn't all that great, but they do have a, a very good bullpen you know, three, four arms in there they can trust, they can go to at any time. Boston, mm-hmm. on the other hand, as good as that lineup is, as good as Sale is pitched, as good as Rick Porcello pitched, I'm not sure about their pitching. I know their offense is just about as good as anybody, but once they get to that bullpen, I mean, like in game five, game four, they had to go to Chris Sale because they don't trust anybody in that bullpen. And I think you're going to see a team in Houston with good enough bats where you know, they might not be putting up you know five six runs on the starters, but they might be getting deep enough in, in at bats and counts whatever to get to that bullpen in the fifth or sixth inning and give Boston problems that way. So as good as I think that Boston lineup is, I, I think Houston's pitching combined with Boston's bad bullpen, I, I, I feel a little bit more confident about Houston than I do about LA because that Houston lineup is every bit as dangerous, at least at the top, as Boston's is. But yeah. I still think we're in, in in line for two very fun uh, LCS series. And I do really think that the four best teams in baseball are the four teams remaining. I, I totally agree. Think that that's what we're getting right now, and that's when your team's not in it. That's all you can ask for. I yeah, think, I think we're a baseball fan. Four great teams, and I think we're in line for some fun series. Matthew, buy or sell? And we're going to go a little broadcast direction here. Buy or sell? The luster has worn off of. 
of broadcaster A-Rod. You know, he kind of took the world by storm and it was, oh, this guy that we all hated on field and was just a terrible guy is so captivating and charming in the booth. And this postseason, I found him to be, uh, while informative and entertaining, a bit much at times. And so- I think that... I think that he's it's a product of trying to fill empty air, but sometimes the air needs to be empty. I think I, I, well, I'm going to buy it because I think we got too much of him this year. I, I think the, the yeah. part that we liked about him last year was he was basically the in-studio analyst that we saw breaking down pre- and post-game. I, I, I think while on paper it seemed like a great idea with how much lo- everyone loved him last year to put him into the Sunday Night Baseball booth, to have him calling games as a color guy, I-, I think on paper that seemed like a great idea, but I I think we got uh, too much exposure to him. I think he, he got a little bit exposed uh, at times, and I think that's what kind of sparked this. I, n- I don't think anybody's really totally anti-A-Rod anymore, but he's mm-hmm. not that, no. you know, everyone said, I think he was the best studio analyst in baseball last year, at least one of them along, I mean, him and Frank Thomas and, and Ortiz were all great. Um, but I, I'm with you. I think we just saw him too much this year, and that's what kind of led to people getting a little bit sick of him because of his takes in the in-game booth, whereas what made him great was what he did in his analyst and studio work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that you make a great point there that I, I still like him. It still far surpasses what I ever thought he'd be as a broadcaster because of you know the guy we knew on field, yeah. and the self-centered individual that it was. But that's a good point. You know, he he might be being put in too many situations where uh, you know a little uh, a, a, sometimes less is more. I, mm-hmm. I guess would be the uh, the company line on that one. Uh, Matt, you still got one more? I do. So um, our friend of the podcast, uh, recurring guest David Kaplan, had a, uh, a report yesterday. Uh, he didn't want to give a specific timeline, didn't give a specific timeline, just said over the past several months, I believe it was, um, the Cubs had offered a, somewhere along the lines, he, he called it a massive $200-plus million extension offer to Chris Bryant, which leads me to believe something along the lines of you know five, six years that paid him close to 40 a year, whatever. Um and Chris Bryant and Scott Boris turned it down, which I can't say is shocking because Scott Boris doesn't really sign uh, uh, yeah. extensions. He goes to free agency. But the, you know, the idea was floated out there. The, the hot discussion on, on Sports Talk Radio yesterday was, you know, if Chris Bryant is dead set on free agency, not to, to say that he is, but, you know, this is just something, you know, bring up that gives you a chance to talk about it. Do you explore trading Chris Bryant? So buy or sell, Joe, if Chris Bryant's dead set on free agency, which isn't for three years from now. They still got control, I think, through 21. Buy or sell looking to flip Chris Bryant and then, you know, if that's this offseason, being aggressive at, you know, Manny Machado or Bryce Harper, whatever. I buy it. There is, uh, aside from, you know, and we, we, we talked about it with, with the Hawks and the core that really led them to those championships, there are fringe guys on the edge of the core that are expendable, and if you hold on to them too long and you get nothing in return for them, it ends up putting you in a bad situation. And I don't think the Cubs want to be in a bad situation. I think that you can sleep well at night knowing that you have two of the best executives in all of the sport uh, that are trying to figure this thing out for the Cubs. But uh, I don't think Chris Bryant's untouchable by any means, especially the way he came off of injury this year, leaving a lot to be desired. I 
think that if you can get great pieces or a big name free agent or make space enough to go get a big name free agent, and yeah, I mean, life goes on. Chris Bryant will forever be a World Series champion with the Chicago Cubs, but um, you, you don't want to have a, a baseball diamond filled with living statues. And I say that meaning, um, you know, we, we exalt these guys and we remember them for what they were. And I'm not saying that Chris Bryant, and I know I posed a question a couple weeks ago, has Chris Bryant peaked, but I think that when you fall in love with the past so much, you lose sight of the future. And uh, I think that Chris Bryant could be a great piece and a part of the future with this Cubs team. But if if it's going to cost too much or if he does want to go explore free agency, you have to protect your own neck in a situation like that. Yeah, you know, I I do agree with you. I, it, it's the injury this year is just what made it so so much more I guess, very possible. important it may to see how really he performs think, next season yeah uh, but but hey if that offer is going to come this season if you think you know i can go get manny machado if you know for a fact whatever if you yeah. go out and get manny machado then you want to trade chris whatever but like, if you know you can get that guy back and then you have someone i'm not going to say the mets want to trade you jacob Degrom because why would they if they're going to rebuild why would they trade you a pitcher for one piece but like if you can get a name like that a pitcher like that and then maybe even have you know, then be in the position to say hey well, now we have this top three. Maybe I can trade Jose Quintana for something else, whatever, move pieces around. It does give you that flexibility. And uh, I know it's just one year. I know he spent a lot of the year down. But know, shoulders are weird. I, you don't really know how guys are going to come back from injury in baseball. And I guess when he was out all that time, the offense didn't – the offense, it's not like they took a major jump when he came back. The mm-hmm. offense was the offense. There's enough firepower in that lineup where, you know, they're gonna the they the be roof. okay without him. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there you ceiling go. Is the roof. Ceiling is the roof. All right, Michael. <laughs> what was the uh, other but, one? But, what was the other one the standard? Uh, uh, standard is the uh, standard. Uh, no, something is the standard. I forget what it was. Um, <laughs> but I totally I get. But what you know you're what I'm saying? saying like like it, hey, Chris Bryant's a great baseball player. He, he 2016, there was no one who could touch him. He was by far the, play, the best hitter in baseball. I still think he's an elite bat, but. If you think you can get something and then turn it into signing Manny Machado or Bryce Harper or whatever, I think mm-hmm. you have to at least explore it. And if he, if you know he's going to go to free agency, you don't want to risk losing that for nothing. Uh, yeah, I, the, the Hawks got into trouble. He kind of brought that one up because they held on to the wrong guys and, move, yep. and moved kind of the right – they moved the wrong guys, held on to the wrong guys. And he, it's impossible to know until you kind of do it, but the, the Cubs have to be mm-hmm. careful. That it, they're going to have to make these decisions with a lot of players coming up because they are so young. Because they're all going to start hitting that free agency, the point where they're going to be, you know, getting new contracts in line for new deals. They're going to have to make some tough decisions, and this is one of them. I don't think there's an untouchable on that roster. I would have said going into this year, Chris Bryant's untouchable. I don't think he's on unt- Anthony Rizzo's untouchable. Uh, I, I think he's I the think closest he thing to it. I think. I think. He's I think you lose thing. Anthony Rizzo, you lose your identity. That's the one identity guy that I uh, think he's the closest I don't thing think you to can it. To but lose. I mean, after what happened kind of last year, if I don't think there's for me, Mike Trout is pretty much the only untouchable name in baseball. If I'm being and, totally honest with you, and even then, like the he, Angels are in a spot where if they wanted to rebuild, imagine what he'd bring back. So I. And I'm for never, us as baseball fans, we can only hope that he moves somewhere to the east so we can watch him play baseball. And now that I live on the West Coast, I get to watch him a lot more. But um, I know most of, the, most of the yeah most of the country um, doesn't uh, doesn't get to watch the Mickey Mantle of present day play baseball. I watched his 2018 highlight reel. Uh, it just was 
jumping around YouTube watching videos and it got popped up in suggestions and even being out here it was lost on me what he did this season and how dominant and the, amazing he is and on the base paths at the plate in the field I've never seen I don't think a guy dominate this way in my lifetime outside of a steroid era the series against the Sox at the cell I, I want to say he reached base safely 10 or 12 consecutive plate appearances I think he went like yeah. five for five one night uh, had a, you know, a walk on either end and you know the next day had you know two walks and also went three for three something ridiculous like that it's wild it's just, yeah it's wild but again back to the, the I, I Chris Bryant's not untouchable obviously it'd take a huge haul to get him out of there but I don't think he's untouchable, especially if, you know, a couple years down the road he wants to be a free agent. Not to, not to say he wouldn't sign back here, but wants to test the, you know, test the market, test the waters. I have to agree with you, Matthew. Uh, you got uh, you got anything else for the peeps? Are you uh, them on their way? It's just weird when we agree on things. We need to come up with the name for the Moose and Runes listeners. You know how we got, like, uh, the beehive for Beyonce. Um, You're the creative the one. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll do some. I'll do some. You're good with vocab. Give us like a creative, like vocabulary word. That can, I'll work on it. Yeah. Tweet us at Moose and Ruins if you have any uh, ideas on what we should name our award-winning listeners here on the Moose and Ruins podcast. We want to give you guys uh, a bit of a, a moniker here, and you could be the the Moose Hive, but then we leave Matt out of it. But oh, that's we'll what you, it you'd you like. Know, that. It's just an idea. No, no, we're spitballing. We're spitballing. Mooses we're spitballing. don't live in. It's hives. on the wall. It's on the short list. Mooses don't. Yeah, mooses the, don't live. In, is it moose or mooses? Uh, yeah. Moose, mice, Meese? I don't know. I don't know. One, Whatever they don't one, live. In, we they don't live in one lives. answer. The world may never know, Matt. That's true. The it's, world may never know. Now, with that, do you want to shut us down? Uh, yeah. Let's let's shut it down. Shut it down. Shut it all down. Shut it down. Shut it down. Houston, we have shut down. I've seen enough. Shut it down. Matt, I know we're excited for Bears football this season and this week, uh, the matchup with Miami Dolphins, but uh, one thing we did not touch upon that I think is a little underlying storyline here is uh, the matchup with one Adam Gase, uh, head coach of the Miami Dolphins. And Gase was obviously a bright spot in a, an otherwise dark, uh, mm-hmm. re- dark era, uh, whatever. Era. Year. Yeah, era. F- I don't know if you want to call it an era. But a year, uh, a season. In a, a year that had a lot of struggles, Gase was the was the bright spot. And you can never fault a guy for going to get his money, and you can never fault a guy for going to realize a dream and become an NFL head coach. But it's just another storyline I'm going to have my eye on this week. And uh, hopefully Adam Gase walks away from this one feeling, uh, what if? And I know it's a what if that could barely have happened because then you know I've met Nagy here calling the plays and it's the butterfly effect of things that would have happened but anytime someone leaves uh anytime anytime you're going to a party and you know your ex is going to be there you make sure you look real good and I hope we look real good uh in front of our ex this weekend that's just a, a little shutdown I like, I like it that was uh it was well hey. thought out way to compare it to make a real life comparison yeah like, you know it's got to kind of got to have your uh Gotta have your affairs in order when you're when yeah. you're going to see uh, when you're going to see the ex. So yeah, you, you uh, bring out you know the A outfit. You know you get you make sure the hair's looking good. All that exactly. stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You can bring out the the good jeans. Mm-hmm. Oh you yeah. Know, the, you we know, all got the good one. Yeah. Yeah. A little oh, yeah. skinny for the leg. I know Matt's going to a skinny jean lately. Oh yeah. And, and with skin and with tight. that 
And with that mental image, we say goodbye to our Moose and Runes listeners. As always, thank you for listening to the Moose and Runes podcast this episode 75. We'll be back with 76 next week, hopefully coming at you at your normally scheduled time. But you know us. We're busy men. We get you the podcast when we can get it to you. So quick complaint. You'll get one every sorry. week. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. I just came at our listeners there, Matt. I, I might have just cost us a couple <laughs> viewers, but we're, we're weeding out the weak links. That's yeah, what we're doing. We, okay? want, we want the tough, the, the, the diehards, the rider dies. We know that, you know, it might not always come on Tuesday, but you'll get it. It's coming. Also, also, Matt, I'm coming at the Moose and Roots listeners again. The mailbag has been especially empty these last few weeks. We love the mailbag. We want to hear from you guys. Uh, our regulars, we appreciate you guys. Get back in the mailbag. Some new listeners, we want you guys in the mailbag as well. Tweet us at Moose and Runes on Twitter. Send us your mailbag questions as well as suggestions on what we should call our valued listeners, the Moose and Runes listeners. Moose Hive is just an idea. you know. Sorry. They don't live in hives. It doesn't make sense. It's details. Details, Matt. That's going to do it for the Moose and Runes podcast. Thanks for listening. For Matt, I'm Joe. We'll talk to you guys soon. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. <laughs> Chicken on the steak was phenomenal.